Well, good evening. Um, there was a woman who um, worked at a night shelter in a large city in America. And the homeless people, before they opened the doors, the homeless people would often be queuing outside. And, um, but it, before she opened those doors, she would pray a really simple prayer. And it was, Lord, you're in this queue today. Help me to serve you well. And that, um, I've shared that story before, but it has had the most profound impact on me and the way I go into work. Because I, I write that down sometimes, probably about every six weeks, so that no one else can see it. But I've just put, Lord, you're in my clinic today. Help me to serve you well. But it may be that you work in an office, and it might be, Lord, you're in my office today. Help me to serve you well. And um, we've heard from um, Rachel and Jeremy about global mission and um, those sto amazing stories from Uganda. And then we heard from Ellie and sort of mission to our neighbors to Calais. And we heard amazing stories back there from the team. And now we're doing mission to the workplace, how we share our faith in the workplace. And um, I think, just to say, first of all, I'm an, an advanced nurse practitioner. I work in a local GP surgery. And it's out of that context that I'm going to share some stories and pointers. But I think these points are quite salient for um, whether you work or not, whether you're retired, unemployed, whether you're at school still or at college. And I really hope from these that you might be inspired. Um, and be able to take some of those as practical um, steps. Alan Scott, who, amazing book, I don't know if anyone else has read this book, um, called Scattered Servants. Um, and it's unleashing the church to bring life to the city, to the town here, is um, his strapline. But he says this, God's dream for you is not that you just become a believer and help out the local church, can I say we love it when you do? And you're, when you give those gifts, and, and one, somebody was saying, isn't it amazing that we have this incredible church family that everybody loves and supports and um, wants to cheer on? So yes, he says, God's dream for you is not that you just become a believer and help out the local church. His dream is that we will come alive in his presence and bring life to our environment, carrying Jesus's unconditional love and contagious hope. He goes on to say that he believes there's going to be a real movement, not in the church, but of the church, as we go out into our communities. Jesus says in Matthew 9, the fields are ripe for harvest. And what Jesus is saying is, look around you. Look at the people around you. Look at their spiritual needs. And I think we have a ripe harvest at the moment. I think there is huge spiritual need out there. And he says, look around you. And I love what he's sort of saying. He says, um, look at the readiness and openness to me. Ellie finished last week her talk with a very simple line which said, I am loved so that I can love. To carry God's love and hope into our workplaces, we need to... Um, come out of a place of love. I'm going to have to keep my glass on. I can't see you when I look up, by the way, then. So, but I need to read my pictures, um, my words here. We need to believe that we are loved by God to receive and be filled by his love. 
And at SML, we have had a picture over the last few weeks of, in a sense, an empty glass, which the Lord longs to fill up, but we need to stop under his life-giving waters long enough for him to do that. And as we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, we will become more like Jesus, showing kindness and compassion, opening our hearts to others in unexpected ways. Now, I just want to read, it's such a familiar story, um, but it's from Luke 10 and um, verses 38 to 42. And it says this, Mary is sitting, um, sorry, it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And um, just a few months ago, I um, was had about four days with 40 other people, in a sense, at the feet of an Orthodox Jew called Gil. And it was, an it was almost like an extended Bible study all the way through. And he said just lots of good things, but one thing he said was, remember at the time when scriptures were written, um, papyrus parchment was, ver was very costly and expensive. Every word counts. It's not like me waffling on, but every word counts. And so when we look at scripture, we think, okay, what are you saying, Lord? And I love the fact here, he says, few things are needed or indeed only one. And I know Leah McFall, who was with us, put that so movingly into a song called At Your Feet. Few things are needed or indeed only one. And why did, I think, why did the writer, why did Paul say few things are needed? Indeed, only one. Why didn't he just say, in, you know, only one thing is needed? I think Jesus was saying few things are needed because, yes, he's recognized it is important that we share our faith in the workplace, that we make disciples, that we go out. But he's saying, but there's one, indeed one thing is so important, and that is what we need to do first, and that is sit at Jesus' feet and listen to what he is saying. Spending time with him. Sorry. And I think when we come from a place um, of being filled with his love, when we come from a place where we sit at his feet and we receive again from him, we will carry that love into our workplaces, into our towns, into our neighborhoods, into the pub, into the, the classroom, wherever it is that you feel is your sort of place in a sense that you can show his love. So how can we share our faith. I've got five pointers. And the first thing is, I think, believe, is firstly, re out of that love, when we come in, is the first thing is real integrity in the workplace. Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. It is the Lord you are serving. We had that, with pr that prayer at the beginning, Lord, you're in my clinic today. Help, you, help me to serve you well. We need to be a good team player. 
we're needing, we need to be willing to work hard. There have been some um, people who've been doing research from the pandemic and they felt that in some situations, um, not all, but maybe there has become a little bit of a culture of what can I get away with? Um, in other words, if people have been working from home, and I don't think this is the case at all, you know, that far, because I think so many people have been working so hard, but they've just recognized that that might have crept in. We need to have real integrity in our workplace. For some of us, it can be quite hard. It can be hard work, it can be tiring, so it doesn't mean to say that we're just being um, saying things are fine, things are perfect, and that we carry on. It's being honest and being real. But if we don't, I think, if we don't work hard, if we slack, if we do as little as we can, I think that's what people notice, no matter what the good front we put on. So real integrity in the workplace. Secondly, be kind. Titus, um, Titus 3 verse 2 says, God's people should be big-hearted and courteous. Um, I, you know, find this quote from Gandhi quite hard-hitting, but he said this, I like your Jesus Christ. I don't like your Christians because your Christians are nothing like your Christ. That's quite hard-hitting, isn't it? And a lovely uh, medical Christian friend of ours retired a couple of years ago, and he received many cards from patients, um, particularly thanking him for his kindness that was the theme which ran through. Kindness matters. I'm really struggling getting, sorting out my papers here. It's this recycled paper it's printed on, that's what I think. It's not so shiny, not so slippery. Um, be compassionate to those who are struggling. Go the extra mile if that's needed. You know, ask, is there anything I can do for you? Celebrate the good things which are happening for others. I know for me, life can get quite busy, and I did start to go into work a bit earlier so that I could just spend time with people. But as it's got busy, I'm aware that I can just go in, do my job, and come out again. And if I, you know, and not really have spent time with people. So be kind, make space, make room for how the Lord might want to prompt you. Um, pray for, thirdly, pray for ways to see the, how God is moving in our workplaces. In that passage I read about Mary and Martha, it says in verse 39, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. I think before we need to go into work, we need to stop and we need to listen and say, Lord, what are you doing here? Holy Spirit, show me what, let me hear what you're saying. Partner with him. You know, the kingdom is, part of the kingdom is that God is already at work in our workplaces. He's already at work in our gym. He's already at work um, in the supermarket, what, wherever we might find ourselves. And we are just partner with him. It's not that we're working independently saying, well, I'm going to do this for you. We're partnering with him. Pursue him. It's interesting, it's a word which we're hearing just a lot I've recently, but pursue him in what he is already doing, not trying to convince him of the merits of what we're doing. And praying for people, sometimes the Lord may place um, a name on your heart or a work colleague or somebody that he's wanting to press onto you. And I want to share a little thing. I think Andy shared this. Um, in the morning, but when I was 14, I was at um, boarding school, and I wasn't a Christian, um, and the 
Mrs. Wade, who was in fact my French teacher, said, we're going to pick three people to the CU, the Christian Union, and, um, which is where the Christians met. And she'd say, we're going to pray for three people. And we're going to pray weekly for them. So move on, it's about five, six years, and um, I'm now at a church in St. Aldate's in, in Oxford, and I have be, I've been a Christian for nine months. I've met Andy, and we're together. And Mrs. Wade, suddenly this woman comes up to me and says, is that Fiona Turner, which was my maiden name? And I said, yes, and I recognized her instantly. And she was in tears. She said, I have prayed for you every week since you were 14. So we were, I think we were both in tears as well, but just the power of that. And she said, I'm so grateful to the Lord that he has shown me you, has encouraged me in that. And it's not a church she went to. She, was on, she was, um, lived in Berkhamsted and she was on holiday in Devon. It happened to be, I'll go to that church, St. Aldate's, and just see what it's like. And I hardly ever, you know, doing shifts, you're not always there. It was an amazing encounter and has made me... I'm not as good as that, but to really try and pray for specific people. Pray for eyes to see the way God is working. Fourthly, recognize that you're one link in the chain. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 9 says this, I, that's Paul, planted the seed and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work, for, for we are both God's workers. For nearly all of us, there, um, it's a process, isn't it, I think, on how we come to faith. Um, and there are often people who are sowing seeds into our lives. I know that for me, there's obviously this, my, my granny who was... The, you know, one of the few Christians in my family would be praying for me. Then um, when she heard that I became a Christian at a mission, I think she thought it was a cult, so she had to look up who Eric Delve was at the time. Um, but um, people had been sowing in to my lives, and often there are some sowing, there are some watering, but it's all part of a chain. Um, I want to share a couple of stories um, they happened quite a few years ago, but I felt that for confidentiality, I needed to perhaps pick ones from further back. Um, and the and this, it's sometimes we need to be speaking tr truth into people's lives, and it's not necessarily, sharing our faith is not necessarily trying to get Jesus or God into some conversation in the day, and if we don't, we fail somehow. But um, the first one I want to say is um, someone came up in a patient and said, she was going on holiday tomorrow, and I said, oh, who are you going with? And she said, well, it was going to be my husband, but he wants a divorce. So I said, you know, the conversation went, I said, do you still love him? And she said, yes. And I found myself quoting a story, Gary Chapman, I don't know if any of you have read the, the book on um, the love languages, but he starts the story about him. And it was, he, you know, he would go to work and he'd come back and his wife would have made this amazing meal and everything would be great at home, but they never talked. And I found myself just saying the story and she said, that's exactly what my husband said to me last night. So I said to her, okay, I'd love to give you this book. 
I said, it is a Christian book, but if that's, just flick past those bits if you don't want those bits. And just go, just concentrate, because I think this might be good for you. And anyway, I, I dropped it round her, her house. I left a note saying, please don't speak to me about this if you don't want to. Just forget it, you know, just leave it. But I pray it's a blessing for you. Anyway, um, six months later, a GP said to me, what was the book you gave that lady? And... Um, I mentioned the love languages. And she said, because it's really transformed her marriage. And I went back to see this person, and all the way through, the previous consultations had all put marriage difficulty, marriage difficulty, marriage difficulty. And um, anyway, she walked past my room about a year later, and she just thanked me. Thank you for the book. She works for a big organization. She said, I have given that book out to I don't know how many people. And I think, you know, there's not really faith in that, but I think we can be speaking truth into people's lives. And the other one was a lady who, I, a patient I spoke to, and I said, you know, have you any children? She said, no, and I don't think I'll be a very good mother. And I said, what, made you, what makes you say you won't be a good mother? And she said, because I had an abortion when we first got married, it was a bit too soon, and I don't remember the date of it. And surely someone who would a good person would remember the date. And um, I said, would you like me to find out the date for you? And I said, I gave it to her and I said, you know, for what it's worth, I think you would be a great mom. And the fact that this has, you know, this has been on your heart. And I said, can I pray for you? Now, I don't often pray for people. I think I've prayed for five, people five times at the surgery, unless I sometimes say to them, have you a faith? And then if they say yes, then I can go on, I feel further. But I said, can I pray for you? And I just prayed, Lord, thank you for this person. Would you bless their marriage? And may she know she, she's loved by you, amen. It was literally three lines. And um, I said, the only thing I would say is, she'd said that they, her and her husband have never spoken about this since, and it's been quite a few years now. And I said, all I'd say is, would you talk to your husband about it tonight? And then it was probably 18 months later, she walked past my room and she just said, I want to say that I'm pregnant. And it was just amazing to hear. She just again said, you know, thank you for that. And I think the Spirit is really, you know, take hold of those times when it may not feel, like it might just be a seed. Who knows what's happened? I don't know. Who knows if they've come to the Lord or not? But we just need to some water, some plant seeds. A lovely Rebecca, I think, is here, Rebecca Karen, and um, she sent a link to, of the Leah McFall, you know, the service that Leah McFall um, was speaking at in the morning, and she sent it to one of our colleagues, and then I was going out for dinner with this particular colleague, and she said, I found it so moving. I just watched it, and she loved the fact that I think Ellie was just about to go out. We called people to pray around Ellie. She saw the whole thing. She didn't turn it off, and she just said, you know what? I'd love to do Alpha, and I think these little links, little seeds that different people are sowing, we don't need to lead somebody all the way through to Christ. Sometimes we get that privilege, but it's usually meant that someone else has sown a seed, and many people have sown seeds and waters, so don't underestimate the little link, the little seed. And then finally, the last point, take hold of the opportunities that God gives us. And I think we've sent here, we've sensed here at SML, haven't we? And I, one, um, somebody was just praying at the beginning, it feels like people, there's a real hunger 
for people to know more, for to press into him. And um, we're so excited by that. We see that. I'm feeling that. I want to know, Lord, I want to know more. I want to press into you more. And, um, and I believe the Holy Spirit is creating so many opportunities for us to take hold of. And um, some of you will be there thinking, I find this so hard. I find it so hard, and I would suggest, you know, pray for courage. I don't find it easy either. And I love, actually, that the passage I read about, um, a pot, you know, I, Paul, planted it, Apollos watered it. They said, you know, and the Lord will reward you for your hard work. I think Jesus knows it's quite hard for us to share our faith at times. You know, when we're in a workplace, I've got a, I've got a code of conduct that I've got to adhere to. And um, so, and, but there are restraints. You're aware, hang on, this is people's space. And so I think it isn't always straightforward to share Jesus's love. We, there's a time and a place. Um, I know two incidents, um, one at work when I prayed for a patient, I said, can I pray for you? Yes. And honestly, it was so awkward. She sat there with her eyes open the whole time. And um, I just felt myself drying up as I was praying and I just finished it quickly. And who knows, I just asked the Lord afterwards, Lord, forgive me if I didn't hear you. If I I've just blow anything away. And then I've had an incident recently, I'm having some treatment at the hospital, really minor, nothing major at all, and it's all really insignificant. But it means I see different nurses. And um, one of them, I'd seen her twice, and I shared a bit. I just said something about my faith, and that seemed fine. And then um, just before Easter, I just said something. And do you know what? The shutters came down just like that. It was like that. And I just knew... No, no way it changed the subject. Hey, so what are you going to be doing? And we changed that. And I just left there thinking, Lord, I just entrust her and I trust, entrust our conversation to you. And Lord, you know, again, you know, forgive me if I've, um, you know, stepped over or just didn't hear you. And, um, and I think sometimes we need, to do, we need to be aware when we've missed an opportunity, we need to repent. You know, I think it's all very well to say, oh, that doesn't matter. I think we need to say, sorry, Lord that I miss that, and would you give me courage and strength to step out for you again? You know, I think rather, otherwise I think the devil does use that, and then he says, mm, you're not great at that. You know, you're pretty rubbish at that. You missed it there, so why bother now? And I think, but when we do bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I miss that. I know you asked me to do that, and I'm really sorry, and I re will you help me again? Let's not, giving, let's not give the devil any access. Um, when we've done that. Um, yeah. So I think, coming into land now, um, <laughs> there's so much to say on this. I feel as if I've skimmed the surface. Um, but I do feel that our workplaces are so desperate at the moment and are our gyms. I think people are hungry to know the Lord's love and his um, forgiveness. And I think we need to step up to be willing to carry that message to those, pla to those places that we're in, whether, whether it is the pub or whatever. Um, that little prayer I said at the beginning, Lord, you're in this queue today. Help me to serve you well. That is now, it's the shortest prayer in the United Nations prayer book. But I love the fact that it's in there. Um, so I would love us to have a bit of time. We'll, 
just pray, I think, that um, I'd love us to just think, what are those points? Maybe one or two of those things that you feel, it might not be the points I've mentioned, it might just have triggered something else. It may be a name that the Lord's put on your heart for somebody at work. It may be that, gosh, I need to just give a bit more time to friends and colleagues at work to understand what they're going through. It may be that kindness. Do you know what? There's people at work far kinder than me. I've got, I've got two, actually, the one who said she wanted to do it. I mean, much kind. I mean, I feel sometimes, flip, I am such a work in progress because there's so many nicer people than I am and they don't know you, Lord. And so they're going to be amazing, aren't they, when they come to faith? Um, but I think let's have a bit of time and then I would love us to listen to Leah McFall's song that she sang at your feet because I would love us to have time to just sit at Jesus' feet, to receive his um, love again, to listen. I think he's wanting to really say things to each one of us, to listen what he's going to say. So should we just pray? Lord, the harvest is ripe. We know that. And you long for us to see people as you see them, to carry your love, your, your hope into our workplaces, into our classrooms. And Holy Spirit, would you come and I pray, would you seal in us what you are just prompting us to do or say or to think about? Lord, we want to be servant-hearted. We want to serve those people at work. Carrying your love, Lord. Lord, give us eyes to see, I pray. Give us ears to hear you. Thank you, Lord.